I just never want to be the type of man or person that is afraid and just doesn't do something just because of fear. Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, everybody. Today I have with me Chad Simpson. Chad is a D1 athlete, author of the book, The Freshman, and co-host of the Christian Coach podcast and so much more. You have such a long bio, I had to read that twice and I messed the first one up because you have a lot of things you've done. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, Scott. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) like literally I'm looking at this thing. You have, you know, D1, uh, amazing experience and results in tennis, I believe, right? Correct. Yeah. And uh, you have a book and you have a podcast and you are like the director of Athletes in Action or you just serve for Athletes in Action as the tennis director. That's right. So let's go ahead and start out like right away, like get right into what's Athletes in Action. Yeah, so Athletes in Action, we're uh, we're a global sports ministry um, trying to use sport as the platform to to take the the message of of Christ uh, to the world. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're in 70 countries and on campuses across the country, pro sports. And uh, so, yeah, I get the, the gift of uh, restarting the tennis ministry. Um, so restarting. Just, correct. Yeah. Since 2017, so the past four or five years, it's just kind of sat dormant. And so um, I was a, a college coach before this. And so we just saw a need in the, in the tennis world that, uh, you know, very secular um, and just no chaplain in that space. And so that's kind of what we've been uh, building towards here this last year is how do we how do we serve? How do we connect? Uh, how do we touch people's lives within the tennis world? You have a, a like a storied history. I mean, a real long history of uh, tennis at a higher level. I mean, from from being a D1 athlete all the way to coaching and all levels. Uh, why don't you tell your story a little bit about that, how that kind of progressed uh, when you realized you were a good tennis player? I think it's really relevant because a lot of um, dads will think their kids are are destined for greatness. And there is some nuances that really show a difference in between people who actually do get to like D1 level and the competitive level and those that just really are living vicarious through their kids. So I think it's a really great conversation to have. Yeah, yeah. So my story, um, my dad was a local tennis pro, small, small town. And so grew up since I was three, just uh, hanging out at the tennis courts. Um, He did a really good job at not forcing it at me. We played every sport. Uh, You know, I loved basketball, baseball, just ran ran around and did everything that all the other guys were doing. And um, yeah, I probably liked basketball more, um, Hmm. but ended up just by about 13 or 14 was when I uh, had that dream to play college tennis. And so I quit all the other sports and just uh, zoned in there for the final three or four years um, to try to earn that, earn that goal. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how, how it got started and uh, how we ended up at Liberty. So where is Liberty at? Yeah, Liberty's in Lynchburg, Virginia. So okay. I grew up in middle Illinois. I never heard of it at the time, but yeah, it's a quite, quite big uh, Christian school now. So, okay. Uh, so you you just kept moving up. You you liked basketball more. Were you, yeah, were you good at it? I'd say probably average. You yeah. know, um, 
probably couldn't have played played high level basketball and so that was uh that was pretty pretty easy easy choice just uh right. to zone in when i got to liberty though i wanted to be a basketball coach or something about it uh intrigued me but um yeah i feel as you evaluate those type of things i just saw you know the the history that i had the the skills that i had the gift was was in the tennis world so i just wanted to steward that well and uh, try to use that as a blessing for others your dad is a, a listener of everything you're on and mine is as well. So uh, I want to I want to ask questions about how that relationship was, because he was a, a tennis pro. And here you are, you know, um, doing other sports, but also doing pr- tennis. Did you ever feel like an over pressure from him? And how was he as a coach and mentor to you in that world as you move through the ranks? Yeah, we we see in the tennis world a lot of just. Um, you know, her relationships with, with father and son, you know, the, the typical kind of crazy dad that, you know, they're, they're uh, taking their kids, putting, you know, tens of thousands of dollars into it for travel and equipment. And um, so, yeah, it's sad. We've seen a lot of, you know, tough relationships, but I was super blessed that, um, that he and I were able to keep a good relationship through, through, um, through the coaching journey. He was never a results-based coach, you know, he was always about what's your preparation What's your sportsmanship? Uh, how was your effort? And so that was how he would evaluate me when we came off the court and had that time together to, to talk through things. And so, um, yeah, he was a huge uh, asset for me to, to teach me, uh, you know, how to, how to be an athlete, how to grow. And even into coaching, you know, he was my sounding board as, uh, as you just need somebody to bounce ideas and, and vent to sometimes. He's been a great, great listening uh, ear for me. That's really awesome. How was... Uh... So, you know, you had this tennis relationship with him and, and it was obviously incredibly healthy because you are still here doing tennis. This is one thing that you see, right? Like when there's a healthy relationship, that love for that sport can continue on. We see a lot of kids that have unhealthy and I'm sure you see a ton of this relationships and that can splinter off pretty bad. Either the relationship with the father is dead after a while or the relationship with the sport is dead. And that's really detrimental. That's really hard when you're talented at something. And it comes between a relationship, whether it's with the sport or with the father. Uh, how how was that balance? I think a lot of dads are sitting here going, "Okay, your dad did something right. Yeah. Let's go ahead and celebrate him a little bit and talk about like where he really shined in that in that experience for you." Yeah, I think I think number one, you know, I just knew I was unconditionally loved by him. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that was at the forefront that it wasn't my results that were. Uh, earning, earning his love. Uh, I think he also had a, a long-term goal for me to, to not be the best 11 year old in the world. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he wanted me to be the, you know, the best 18 year old in our area. That was probably like his goal for me, which mm-hmm. was a, attainable. Um, and, and he wanted me to enjoy the sport for the rest of my life. And, you know, he's, um, you know, he's still the guy at the tennis club, you know, shooting the breeze with people and, and doing that. And I'm thankful for me that, that's my job now is that I get to go to tennis facilities and uh, have conversations with people. Um, just, you know, I speak the language. I understand the, 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 uh, what, what students go through. And so it's easy for me to relate in that area. That's really, really important. One, you, you talk the talk and walk the walk. Uh, two, you had a really, really good relationship with your father who also, you know, did some coaching with you in, in the sport. Is that really kind of the reason you do what you do? Is that have any, like any drive to you, like, Hey, I want more people to understand a positive relationship 
uh, and I know we're going to, we're going to kind of get into the Christian element here. I'm not trying to stay, steer away from that, but, uh, you know, what was the purpose or drive for you to move into this position you're in now? Yeah, I think, uh, Man, if if I just get down to it, I, I really felt it was like a, a call on, on my life, you know, that I had to do, that I had to respond to. Um, you know, there maybe be more lucrative things I could have done or easier things we could have done. You know, it's basically a, a startup ministry. Um, and so, yeah, I think just realizing that, you know, the, the world, the world needs Jesus um, and, and Christians need uh need of mentor, need a friend. And so I think after coaching there for seven years at the college level, I just saw how lonely it was and, uh, and how the pressures, uh, pressures for coaches are just immense. And so, yeah, I think that was kind of what, what stirred into my heart mm-hmm. uh, for sure. The, the things with my father as well, just realizing that we were fortunate to keep good relationships. And so that's an aspect of what we want to do and teach as well is how to have um, have healthy relationships within the family. You, know, you, have, you have the coach, you have the player, and you have the parent. All are really working together to to push an athlete. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what has been stirring here the past three years. And even with the book and the podcast, like there was this little bit of this call to to shepherd and lead, uh, you know, a little more across the United States and some of these things on how to think biblically um, through sports because it's uh, it's a pretty broken broken world, broken system. Yeah. Boy, I have a lot to say, but I want to kind of have you say what you feel. Like, what is the importance? You know, we might be sp- speaking to a lot of Christians. We might be speaking to a lot of secular. We might be speaking to a lot of people that just really aren't agnostic. They're agnostic to the whole idea. Like, they're just like, uh, whatever, right? Um, I ta- I've been talking a lot lately about the importance of having a foundation in a belief system. For me, it's it's I believe in Christ. And, uh, but, but like for me, the, the plea is like, have a foundation. There's a, there's a moral standing there. There's a lot of, um, well, that's a big part of it. There's like this, there's firm ground. It's not, it's not wishy-washy. You're not like trying to search for meaning. It's all there for you. So is, is that part of what you're trying to get across? Like what, what is the, why do you think, let me ask the question. Why do you think Christianity is going to help in the tennis world? Power question. Um, yeah, I feel whenever you know, uh, whenever we find we find Christ, you know, we find hope, we find life um, with a relationship with Jesus comes comes peace, comes joy. Um, that's not to say that there are no more struggles. There's no more adversities. You know, um, Jesus said, like you're gonna you're gonna face troubles and that's why he came. And so um, I, I can just speak from my personal experience in my life and and that, you know, up until the age of 13, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And I know the change that he made into my life. Um, you know, I was dealing with all kinds of, of anxiety, um, you know, some some hindered relationships. And um, and yeah, once once I gave my life to Christ, um, I just felt this joy and this peace. And uh, it was one of those things like when you get good news, you, you can't hold it back. You want to share that with others. And so that's kind of uh, where my life took, took me um, after, after giving my life to the Lord. So do you, uh, first of all, awesome. That's great. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, <clears throat> let's, let's shift a little bit here into identity because like you have a very, a lot of history in tennis and you seem really balanced 
And I, I think a lot of athletes who are gifted will often place their identity in their, uh, in their performance and in the thing that they do. Yeah. Do you feel like your belief helps that? And if so, how? And I think just to start, like I was, I was a good player, but not, not elite and not great. There was so many, there were so many, there were so many better. Um, But, but yeah, I think uh, that's, that was a struggle. That was a struggle for me uh, for most of my playing career Um, about junior year of college, uh, you know, so yeah, in high school, um, just a lot of anxiety was trying to get a college scholarship and just felt the weight of the world on my shoulders. Like you have to do this chat. And um junior year of college just hit hit me, you know, is like, Chad, you don't have this gift for yourself. It's not just about you, your scholarship, uh, your winning, trying to break records. Like th- those were even as a, a Christ follower, those are the things that that were being thrown at me. And I was probably failing and, and you know, uh, idolizing and longing for those things more than more than anything else. And um, and then my failures continued, you know, as, as a coach. Um, I spent three years as a PE teacher. So I went from, you know, you know, breaking records and being on websites in college to tying the shoes of first graders, K through eight <laughs> PE. I saw these two different worlds of sports and uh, just like hit me like, why, why do we play sports? Like, what's the role of a coach? And so that's really what drew me into wanting to be a college coach was to, you know, get a group of of eight or nine young men and pour into their life and uh, be that mentor, be that guide. And, and as I, you know, just being honest, like that was my intent. And uh, once I got there though, you know, the pressure of trying to win and get to the higher levels, get, get bonuses for performance. Um, you know, I, I struggled with that as a young coach and a young, young husband, young, young dad. Um, and so I think all those experiences kind of burned inside of me this desire to want to walk with uh young athletes and and young coaches who are still developing yeah but in that in that you took this big i'm guessing it's a big jump to basically restart a ministry and if anybody knows what it can be like in a ministry there's some people that can do very well live very comfortable they're very happy with that but a lot of times you are downgrading your finances or your financial security because there's there's sometimes there's um, fundraising and that really dictates everything I don't know what your particular situation is there's a there's an added level of stress based on what's coming in versus what is needed for the ministry at large uh, was that a scary transition for you and were you married at the time yeah yep so we were we've been married for 12 years right out of college at 22 and so um, yeah, three years PE teacher, seven years as a college coach. And then just this last year, year or two has been spent um, with athletes in action. And so, yeah, I think getting into even just your, your audience and um, with, with fatherhood, I think uh, our, our kids need to see us truly following, you know, as you said, your, your belief system. And for me, that's, that's following Christ. And so that doesn't always look like the way of the world. Uh, sometimes it could, but sometimes it doesn't. And so for us, that was just the call that was put on our life and we just needed to obey and follow him. And, you know, my, my kids were still young, but I think that they'll remember that and like, Hey, that was a little, little crazy what dad and mom did. Um, but, but I hope that they'll see like that was a life dedicated to what they really believe. Yeah. I believe that, uh, as, as parents and I have older boys and I've seen the fruit of this making, Making those decisions is one thing, and they're going to see a certain amount, but talking to them and letting them know, like later for you, 
the decision you made, how that affected them, how it affected your life, how it affected your marriage, how that was scary. That's the gift you get to give them because then they're looking forward and they're like, my dad did this and look what he did. And this is the reason. And I I love the message of it. You know, it's really not about money. I don't know if you went up or down or sideways with your money, but it's still scary. Anytime you step out, out of your, what you've been doing into something new is scary. How is your wife with this? Was she like all in with you at first? Did it take some time? Yeah. Yeah. So just for me, you know, I was, this might sound crazy, but um, yeah, I, this was after COVID 2020 had that little stir in my heart on, <clears throat> is there something else more out there? And so I was just driving down the road and had this idea to have a tennis ministry with a local regional and international impact. So that was kind of the initial idea. And, uh, so we had a friend with athletes in action basketball, spoke with him, got in touch with the director, talked to Talked with him and we just prayed for a week. Um, after that, I felt peace. Everything I, I was really? uh, reading, reading the Bible was was just go, you know, yeah, um, go in the strength that you have. And um, so that at that point, the the director at AIA here, he had a lot of wisdom. He said, "Okay, now you need to bring your wife into this decision." Smart. And so what we did was, you know, we just prayed for one week separate. We didn't talk about it. Just try to um, get clarity from God on this. And so. Um, at the end of that week, surprisingly, she was like, let's, let's do it. And so, um, I think that was a big confirmation for us to continue down this path, but, um, yeah, it wasn't just me <laughs> driving and saying, Hey, this is what we're doing. But, um, to be able to make that decision together was, was huge. What are your, this might be a hard question for you. Cause if you haven't thought through it, it may not, it, you may not be able to answer it. So that, it. that's okay. Ha, do you have like your family core values or core values that you and your wife have talked about in which you decide, make all your decisions that are pivotal in your life and marriage? Yeah, we, we tried to. So what we kind of came up with was um, love, <coughs> sorry, love, serve, and faithful. Those mm-hmm. are kind of the three words. And we don't have a <laughs> statement other than that. And so, um, yeah, I think those are, just kind of what we want to instill into our children and what we want to live mm-hmm. by. You know, I have, I have kind of personal, personal ones similar, but that's what we have together. That's really good because I, I, I talk a lot about when making big decisions, they should all be governed by your core values, your family values, your personal values. If love and serve are at the top of those, like basically what you're doing is you're, you're step, you stepped into a new thing out of love and servanthood. So, um, just, I, I just love like picturing that for men because a lot of times we're faced with really difficult decisions and we make them emotionally, financially, or like what we think other people want. And a couple of weeks, a month, a year down the road, like, what are we doing? Like, this is not in alignment, but we don't really know why it's because they're out of alignment with your core values. So if you haven't even done that, you probably have these. They're just soft and not written down so that you can draw on them. But it sounds like you guys had those down, which is pretty awesome. Don't apologize for not having like a statement. Most people don't even know like that this is a thing they should do. So mm-hmm. that's amazing. Um, I want to I want to talk about more about what you do now. You know, first of all, was you know there was no there was no athletes and it's athletes in action um, tennis division. So when you started that how do you go from zero to something significant? Yeah. So when I first showed up, there's a lot of great leaders here. And so 
I just uh, just shut up and and listen, you know, just uh, asked a ton of questions, got as many one on ones as I could to just hear what was working and with these other sports. And so that was kind of step one was listen and learn. From there, we just were able to, you know, think through we, we put four big rocks kind of before us for the first six months that we wanted to see uh, done and, and achieved. And so we were able to accomplish that. So, um, you know, we did a, a virtual coaches Bible study, gather as many coaches as we could. Um, we, we built local contacts here uh, in the tennis community. We saw doors open there. We took an international trip and then we hosted one camp. And so that was, they were small, achievable, attainable. And uh, yeah, that was, that was the onset. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you seen growth? Have you seen like a, an, an engagement level that you're happy with? I'm just I, like anytime someone told me just recently, like Scott, you're really, I could tell you're really moved to work in with men and in marriages. I'm like, yes, that's, you know, I try to be as obvious as I can as that. And they said, well, have you ever considered doing a nonprofit and talk about fear? I mean, wow. But, uh, when you feel moved or called to do something, do you, what is the question I want to ask here? (laughs) I'm struggling to get to what I want to actually ask. I want to, I just want to understand a little bit more for these men um, that may be feeling a little tug to do something, Mm. which which I have. Uh, I want them to understand the process you've been through and the joy that has come from it. And I'm, I'm assuming there's joy been coming from it. You're talking it, about it. You have a podcast, you have a book. I'm assuming there's some joy that has come from this, some, 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 some sense of achievement. Um, what is, do you have any words of encouragement for men who have a little tug on their heart? Like I need to be doing something. It may be for uh, their Christian belief. It may be for some other nonprofit, whatever the case. Yeah. I think for, for from my experience, you know, um, I think I think there's wisdom in in kind of calculating things, you know, mm-hmm. um, going through pros and cons. You know, we we spoke to at least three to five uh, mentors, friends, as we're trying to discern is this is this the right path, um, and so yeah, I. I I just never want to be the the type of man or person that is afraid and just doesn't do something just because of fear, you know? And so as we, as we gathered the information and uh, prayed, try to seek counsel, I think it became just obvious to just go for it, you know, and, and don't be afraid. Um, And I think, I think, uh, it's important to like, I, I kind of had the, the death of a career at the same time. And so I think it's, it's important to realize that there is going to be some pain, some, some hurdles along the way. One mentor just told me like, Chad, you have to grieve the death of your, for your coaching career. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think, I think realizing too, like there's, there's moments, if I'm honest here in the last year, I'm like, what, what the heck are we doing? You know, like this, this is hard. And, uh, you know, so I think I think that that perseverance, that grit, like wanting to to see it come through, is kind of motivating us to keep going and coming back to the calling. Like, um, just like we, we were led here, and so we have to to keep charging forward. You've mentioned a word that is really on my heart a ton lately. I'm older than almost everybody I interview, talk to, 
and um, the word is mentor. And mm-hmm. it's been a it's been a really strong word on me and a, and something I've really dove into. I just read, read a book called Stepping Up to Courageous Manhood. Um, and uh, first of all, I think it's Dennis Rainey. First okay. of all, every man needs, 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 needs to read this. I know we all have tons of books. We're all recommended. This one is easy. It's actually free as a podcast on Audible. And each chapter is a podcast. There's some corny sound effects and stuff, but it's incredible. And he talks about the different stages of being a man, adolescence, you know, all the way to mentorship, mentor, and then patriarch. You've brought up the word mentor multiple times. And I just really feel like every man who wants to make something of his life should seek out mentorship, whether he's paying for it or it's just coming from a relationship. How have you found your mentors and uh, have you been intentional with it or is it kind of just came into place? I think men are looking for like, you keep talking about mentorship. How do I get there? Yeah. Yeah. As I look back at, at my journey with, with becoming a man, with growing in my faith, um, I think I, I was blessed with a, a good foundation um, from, from my dad and, and from my grandpa and others. Um, and I think some of it, I wasn't looking for it. But, uh, you know, I see the divine hand in, in providing that. Um, I almost look back at my story and I can just see mentor to mentor to mentor and how they've influenced my life. Uh, back in college, I heard a quote, uh, if you see a turtle on a fence post, you know he did not get there by himself. And uh, I truly I truly feel that way, that um, that that I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, you know, be here today at 34 uh, without the influence of you know, my, my youth pastor in, in high school, um, without, uh, the RA that I got landed, um, in college, um, and, and thrown into the, the real world at 22, there was a vice president of the fellowship of Christian athletes that, uh, saw something in me and he, he was willing to share his time 6am. We were getting coffee together and I was able to, to learn, uh, about the, the greatest, the greatest leader and, and mentor of all time as he was just teaching me about the ways of, of Jesus. Um, from there, when I got to my college, uh, I went probably a year or two without a direct mentor in my life. And, uh, and I just saw a man that, that seemed very secure um, and, and had dealt with, with failures. And so he and I, uh, I just reached out, you know? And so I think when you're asking about how do we get that mentor, I think, uh, trying to have some sort of a, a, not a contract, but some sort of an agreement up front. And so I just said, Hey, would you be, would you be willing? I'm looking for a mentor. And it was just in his boat at that time. And so for his schedule, uh, we just met once a month. And so we would dive in for about an hour and a half and, Mm. and I'd bring a list of questions and, um, we would just hash through it. And so he helped with masculinity and emotions and, and these things that I was dealing with as a, as a kid in his, his mid twenties. And so, um, yeah, I, I just highly, 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 you know, recommend, uh, having somebody that's, that's ahead of you, whether it's a financial coach, uh, a career coach, uh, a spiritual coach, um, finding somebody and, and, you know, at the same time, um, as we're learning from those ahead of us, I think it's equally important to be the, the guide and the teacher and, there's got to be at least a, a 10 year old or, or 15 year old, 20 year old. There's somebody that, that needs help. And so I think it's important to go and find that too. That's amazing. Uh, it's, it's quite impressive to me when I see, you know, you're in your thirties, but I see even 30 year olds 
seek out mentorship. And it sounds like you like just had this innate, or maybe it was, you know, just watching your dad and, and being in the, in the the athletic world, you have this innate desire to find a mentor and actually ask. I have noticed something recently. I had a gentleman who I uh, developed a relationship with, Kurt Storing, and he works, he's a, he's a dad man's coach. He's a phenomenal person. Um, just came to Christ about four months ago. So it's been an amazing journey, but he reached out to me and said, Hey, I need somebody to talk to on a spiritual level. And as a, as a father, like you've been through it, you've had, you have successful upper age teenagers now. And he basically said, can you be my mentor? And he literally just flew here from Canada um, he just left yesterday because he's like, I just need to be around this. So these, these men like you and like Kurt seeking mentorship and going out of your way to do things. And I'm already, already noticing a, a higher level confidence, a higher level security in who you are and what you're doing, even though, you know, being, you know, working, being kind of a mission type base guy where you're, you're speaking about Christ, which can be, you know, you can get a lot of negativity from that, but you have an opportunity to make a ton of change. Those things aren't easy, but I'm seeing guys who are seeking out mentorship, doing hard things and being super confident. I, I attribute that to being persistent and consistent and intentional about seeking mentorship. So I, I just, I'm like trying to pound the stake in the ground for guys to understand. Like you, you speak on a very confident, like assured, um, as well as humble platform. Like you are, you, you come off as like, this is the truth I know. And, um, and, and I don't quite know how to say this, but it, it, you are confident, therefore you're easy to follow. And I think that's probably doing, helping you a lot in your ministry, which I just kind of want to give that to you because it's very apparent to me. How do you, having had these mentors, how do you keep your own life in track? How do you keep your own uh, yourself in line. I mean, confidence is a really important thing. Understanding, and I don't think confidence, like this isn't cocky confidence. I would call this what you stepped into the calling that God has for you. And that gives you this confidence that only God can give. It's a deeper, stronger, you know, firm foundation confidence. So with that, with that position that you're in, we've seen so many people in ministry fall because we're going to always point it out and, and sin horribly cheat on their wives, do all sorts of stupid things. How are you achieving excellence through all of this? It's a good question. I think um, my only hope for me is, is staying close to the, to the source, staying close to, to Christ. And, and um, I think when you talk about like strengths and weaknesses, I, I feel, I feel a strength of mine is, is more curiosity, uh, asking questions, um, yeah, the, a little more side of like, just, I don't know what I don't, you know, like I need to learn. And so that the humble humility that comes with that, I'd say the weakness would be more into, uh, the confidence. And so that's maybe more in my heart. What I feel is like, uh, this whole last year, just been quoting, um, when, when the apostle Paul says, you know, I, I boast in my weakness, um, you know, I, I, I can't do this. And so, um, his grace is sufficient. And so that's, that's kind of what I've been holding to as I step into this world of, I feel I'm not, not prepared, not ready, not adequate. Um, 
but back to your back to your original question. So I mean, that's my only hope is just um, every day I I start with time um, in in the Word of God, and so um, learning learning from the Bible, becoming um, more like Christ, learning who He is and who I am, and so I think that's that's um that's probably the only reason I haven't um, made the headlines of newspapers yet because I know in my flesh that uh that yeah there's a lot of sin and and uh, messed up stuff and so that's what drives me every morning to to wake up and and just be with my father uh, in heaven and so I think that's that's one thing that I hold really close to and just maybe I don't know if it's the athletic background or what but just something else that's key is just getting a workout in uh, like six days a week getting the stress out. Uh, whether it's hitting the tennis ball or going for a run, um, lifting some weights. But uh, I think those are probably my two keystone habits that that I've done here the past 10, 10 plus years. And uh, and so that's what I kind of kind of cling to as my, my rhythms and routines. Yeah, I would I would <laughs> second that and third that for men that I know who are uh, doing really well is they start their day in devotions, whether that's really in-depth reading of the Bible, just reading the Bible. I mean, I, I, every single day I'm in that Bible. It's the very first thing I do, as well as um, movement. And then I have some gratitude practices and other things, but you, you know, those those keystone, these, these things, these, uh, you're planting your flag really early in the ground of what matters. Yeah. And, um, that's, that's awesome to hear. And I think a lot of people, a lot of guys don't know how to do that. I'd be curious how you started for me. It was, it was baby steps. Like I'm, you know, the, the, the habit stacking, I'm just going to do one little thing until it's really comfortable and, and natural. And then I'll add a little more and then I'll add a little more. And before you know it, you have this really robust process that you go through to really start your day off. Right. Uh, how did you kind of get that started? Yeah. Honestly, I, I can't remember the exact like onset of it. Um, I feel like it was it was you know in Christian circles it's kind of thrown <clears throat> thrown at you like hey you need to be doing this and so yeah I probably struggled and failed through through high school and college but at some point along the way um, it just uh, yeah I just experienced you know the peace and the guidance and him speaking and so that that brings me back to him each morning um, and and now. <clears throat> I can't remember who I heard. Uh, Kyle Corver played for the Hawks. I think he said when he was a kid, every day he'd he'd wake up in the morning and he he saw his dad on his knees praying. And so I think that stuck with Kyle Corver his entire mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a little motivation, honestly. Recently, is is wanting to be the the leader and man for my kids. And it's just like, do I want them? to see me sleeping in and hitting snooze or, um, you know, praying for them and leading, leading uh, their mom and them. So that's interesting. <clears throat> you say that because I read the Bible every single day, but I do it in my room. My dad did his Bible reading. He literally built this little place for his Bible to sit up on so he could sit. And, and I saw that Bible every single day and I saw him sitting there quietly studying, highlighting, writing notes, doing all these things. I saw it. And for me, my, my routine's differently. So I literally just show my sons, like I, I use the Bible app in my phone and cause I can highlight and make notes and all sorts of really cool things. And I literally show them, Hey, check out my streak or because you can do that. It, it starts. And, um, I just, no matter how you do it, I think as a father, if you're doing something that is, uh, where you find that it's going to lead to success for them, you, you have to be super intentional about sharing that you do that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm just unashamedly like, hey, my, for my oldest, he's he's been doing it for golly, like two years straight, a streak. And I'm like, he was upset because he broke a, a day streak. And I'm like, dude, like your <laughs> week great. street is like two or three years. And he's, and, um, but that's not, that's, that's not just hap, happenstance, right? He's seen it. He's seen, he's seen my father, his grandfather do it. He's seen me do it. And, um, it's, it's a phenomenal thing. So I commend you on that. And you know, that, that practice is so incredible, whether for you men, it's, you know, working out or whatever. I'm going to tell you right now as a father of a 15 and 18 year old, they will, whether they do it younger or not, they'll go in and out of doing the things you do, but there will be a point. There will be a point where they will more than likely, if you're consistent, they will decide to do that same thing without your prodding at all. You won't have to beg, borrow, or plead with them. My son reads the Bible and both of them work out every day in the gym, about six days a week. They go into the gym. I'm not programming for them, even though I could. I'm not telling them to go in. I try and get in there when they're in there because it's fun. But uh, I, I commend you, Chad, because those things will make a massive difference in the in the lives of your kids. And hey, I know it doesn't always work that way, but we've got to we've got to shift the tides in that favor as much as we can. So I really commend commend you on that. And I I do believe those things lead to excellence. Mm. I, I do that. It's discipline, and it's discipline in the right areas. Yeah, and and I think just something to add for for me as I'm I'm reminiscing on some of it is uh, probably at 23, 24, I think I was consumed with I was doing my masters. I was thinking about resumes, job applications, you know, and um, just thinking through like what what is the most important thing, you know, if my life for for alignment's sake, like what am I here on earth to do? I want to impact people, impact people for eternity, and so um, the most important thing I can do is not to add a credential to my degree or get a, a better um, spot to, to work at, to put on a resume so that I could do this or that. Like it, it hit me at that point. I think that the most important thing that I can do is stay connected to Christ. And so um, I think that's, that was kind of the driving force to, for me to accomplish what I want to accomplish. I know that I, I can't do it uh, in my own strength. That's awesome. Let's talk a little bit. We, we only have a few minutes, so I, I do want to touch on marriage. You've been married, you said, for some teens. Oh, is it 13 years? Yeah, that, 12. 12 years? Okay. Um, and that's quite a hallmark. I'm hitting 27 this year, so I'm a little bit nice. ahead of you. But uh, yeah, no kidding. What do you believe, in, and I'm just assuming your, your marriage is successful on some level, at hitting 12 years, what do you believe is, is the foundation and what are some struggles and things that you guys have done to um, you know, make sure that your marriage is strong and healthy? Yeah, yeah, I think that's like one way that I would describe it is, is I think we have a healthy marriage, um, but far from a perfect marriage. You know, um, there's disagreements, there's fights. Um, you know, so I think I think just starting there that um, and I think every single person, uh, friend about my age or, or, you know, slightly less, slightly older, uh, if we're all honest, um, marriage, marriage, there's hard seasons. And mm-hmm. uh, um, I think people don't talk about it enough. I think that we, we need to be vulnerable and share that that we're struggling, that we're hurting, that we need some help. Um, and so. I think that was kind of, you know, so my, my, I come from a, a, a broken family. And so uh, kind of number one thing before me as I was thinking about getting married was, you know, I want to I want to be married for life, you know, and, and I'll only be married once. And uh, so 
I think uh, that was the start was just this this commitment um, to we're going to get through it. We're not going to quit on each other um, no matter what happens. And so that's to say, even even if she she cheated on me, you know, that I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to bail. Um, and so I think that was that was a super important start um, as we were you know, five years, seven years into marriage, uh, we already started to see uh, the attack uh, on on our friends' marriages. Um, and so some of our friends got married early as well. And, um, you know, these these guys maybe were singing on stage or, uh, you know, another another friend, you know, he was going to med school and, and kind of trying to do a Chick-fil-A. He, he was taking one day off a week trying to honor God in that and ended up, uh, you know, not not making it through, through his marriage. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think we learned that and had it at the forefront. And for me, uh, maybe just being a, a, a stupid, um, hard headed, um, you know, lack of, lack of compassionate husband about that time I had took over my college job and was, uh, just zoned in, you know, trying to provide for my family, trying to climb the ladder, um, and so we had added our, our second child then who, who was a horrible sleeper and just struggling big time. So my wife wasn't getting much sleep and I was, I was caught up in, in the grind and not, not aware and alert to, to my, my wife's needs. And so, yeah, I still remember, I remember that night we put our kids to bed, uh, sat down and she just, uh, you know, as I kind of talk and pride, she's like, Chad, you, you aren't meeting my emotional needs. And so, boom, that that's uh, that was just a dagger, a dagger to my heart, because that was like the number one thing I, I didn't want to do, you know. And so from there, you know, we we cry. I, I hold her, you know, I ask for forgiveness. Um, and since then, it, it, it hasn't just all of a sudden flipped the switch. And, and I'm a perfect uh, listener, caring, kind husband. <laughs> but <laughs> the uh, I think I think since then, there is a little bit of a switch in my mind, at least to I, I need to step up in this area. Yeah, it's a switch of intentionality. And what a gift that your wife said something, because I think that's the the gap that happens a lot. They don't uh, maybe aren't feeling secure enough in the relationship or aren't sure how it's going to be received. But for it is a gift to have a wife to say, hey, you're not meeting my emotional needs. And then for a man to actually step into that. I think there is a big difference between how people see marriage as a contractual marriage and then how I see marriage and possibly you see marriage as a covenant marriage. This is a lifelong um, Christ-based relationship where uh, we have a singular goal and that's to grow closer to Christ. And as we do that, we will get closer to each other. And I can attest that there is truth in that. And um, you talked about, you know, even if she cheated on me, I talk a lot about like, hey, if your wife does cheat on you, there's a really high chance, about 100% chance that you have something to do with that. So, uh, you know, not just going like, oh, I would leave her or whatever. Like, no, I'm in this for the long run. And that typically would mean that there was an emotional gap that was happening. Uh, emotional intimacy is, is missing. So it's needing to be filled somewhere. Uh, but I, uh, I really appreciate your candor in that area because I think that's that a lot of men need to hear kind of the way that you approach that. And the fact is, I would say I have an amazing marriage, but I'm far from perfect. And we have to continue to be intentional about working on it because anytime we think we've arrived, we're opening a door to failure. <laughs> like there's, there's all these different little doorways. There's porn, there's, um, you know, a work relationship, there's drinking, there's 
gluttony. There's all these little doors. And if we think we've arrived, those doors just open a little easier. And I think we leave ourselves susceptible to some things that can be pretty destructive. So uh, that's, that's a lot of wisdom from just 12 years of marriage. So I appreciate your, your insight on that. Chad, I got to, I got to give you a minute to talk about your, like, uh, just a super quick synopsis of the freshman, your book. Yeah, sure. I appreciate you asking. Um, so yeah, I was, uh, five years into college coaching, um, recruited, recruited some great, great Christian kids and, and just really saw them go off, uh, the deep end once they got to college. And so, felt responsible as, as their coach. And, and I assumed if it, it wasn't just my small campus as, as everyone else, but yeah, the freshman year, it's a huge, it's a huge earthquake, a big shake, uh, a shock to the system. And, uh, and I saw more fail than, than stay strong. Um, and so, yeah, I just had, had this idea to write a, a fable, write a story that was kind of, um, you know, captivating to a college kid, added pictures, kept it short, um, try to keep the pages turning because I know young people don't love to read. And so, um, yeah, we just uh, wrote, a, wrote a, a story. A kid goes off to college, go, you know, messes up in, in many ways and has to rebuild his life. And uh, through a coach, through a guide, can kind of teach them, you know, what is, what is their mission here on earth? Uh, why are they here? And what are they meant to do? And so that was kind of the, the gist of it. Um, and, yeah, it's been a gift uh, to be able to share that with others and, and hear the impact that it's had on some young people's life. It's a, that's a, sounds like a great gift for someone going off to college or somebody in college. Um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love it when somebody finds a place in life where they can make a big impact. And I think you're doing that and I can, I can tell you're passionate about it and you're super resolute on it. Like there's no wavering, which I think speaks volumes to the, like the college age, the high school age. We see so many adults kind of wishy-washy and they just need a solid firm foundation in somebody that they see is like wow like that dude is not wavering he believes what he believes and there's something that uh draws people to follow so i appreciate you listeners uh check out the show notes because his book will be in there any way to kind of see what he's up to um listening to the podcast that chad does just check out the show notes chad thank you so much for coming on and sharing your heart and what you do yeah, Scott, I love the conversation. You know, keep up the good work. It's super important to have the, this, this in the space. So keep That's it right. up. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from the Brotherhood of Fatherhood.